0: Man, you may have a seat. we will going to hear a little bit about that today, but before we start our message, uh, Ben was very kind. I mean, yesterday was a pretty tough day for a Michigan State Sparty fan, and, and again, Michigan goes out and blows out their opponent, right? You know. Uh, but I will say this, I, I saw something, I caught something that I can grab onto as a pastor. It's not Ben. You know, Ben's doing nothing to help the Michigan Wolverines, but I did see this yesterday, See number 88? And that's a great block. That's by our very own Matthew Harrison. Yes, Lisa and Joe sit right up here, usually during the second service. That's their son. I actually taught him this. Yeah, I remember we were in the lobby one day. I remember we were in the lobby, and I saw him. He was turning, and he was going to run into somebody with hot coffee, and I went, and I blocked him, and I stopped him, and he said, why did you do that? And I showed him the move, and and right here, and I'm just kidding, okay, everybody's like, wow, no, (laughs) it never happened, but anyways, I thought you'd like to see that, congratulations, you Michigans, and I can cheer for the the Wolverines too when you see something like that, Uh, Owen's staying there for a second, and uh, we're going to show you some things on the God Loves You Tour, Um, we encourage you to be ready for this, it's not this Thursday, but the next Thursday, so we're less than two weeks away, It, it is countdown time for you to be inviting people to come to this event. Crossroads Village in Flint, I've kind of looked at the map, it's north, right? It's kind of north of 69, and and pay attention, because I, I don't know if you've gone anywhere in the last month, every Michigan road and highway is closed. It's it's just crazy, and the detours, they're going to, you know, they're closing 15, and, and and they're making the people come all the way past our church to Baldwin, and down. I'm thinking about putting a nice sign in the front yard saying, eternity is longer than this detour. I don't know. I don't know. Something. Oh, those poor people are driving like 25 miles to get back and, they, and they're closing like a mile and a half of the road. Anyways, detours are awful. So be looking because I think there's detours to get there. I think you've got to go north and come south to Crossroads Village. Just pay attention to that. And I want to remind you as you're thinking ahead, I don't believe there's seating. We got to bring lawn chairs and blankets for this event. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Uh, is Kathy here? Is Kathy, can, can, is that true? So we, you, you think ahead about that. You're going to have to carry those and get those there. Uh, it's Outdoors on the grass, but the key is to invite people. I pray my biggest prayer. Julie and I have been going through the Devo prayer book every day, and we pray together at dinner every day for this event. And we're praying that this isn't just a, a gathering of believers. Uh, you know, the Newsboys are a great band. Um, you know, um, Michael Tate's going to be singing. I've known Michael since he was a college kid, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing Michael. But what a what a terrible thing to just show up as a bunch of Christians for an outreach event where we're sharing the gospel for people to know about Jesus. To, you know, to, to have the gospel message shared, it would be great if people were there to receive it. And so be thinking about it and praying about it. Who can I bring? In order to help you with that, Ed and Tim are in the back somewhere. We have these invite cards. I'm telling you, uh, the, the Billy Graham Crusade, Franklin Graham, they have sent us bootloads of these. And I know many people have been saying to Ed and Tim, no, no, I already have one. I don't care if you've got one. We're going to give you another one today for you to give out or take to work, put on your desk. This past week, I had to go to Brenda Hunter, the CEO, or the CEO, what is she, a financial person, tax person, because apparently Josh's dad did his taxes and screwed them all up, and the IRS isn't mad at me. And so uh, Brenda's fixing it. But I went to Brenda's office, and there I saw piles of these things on her. I thought, great, good for her. She's taking it and letting people know about the event so take one or two of these and if you want to take a whole stack we've got stacks out there promote this event let people know about this uh invite people hand these little bus it's a little bus right it's their tour bus and and it's uh, all the information is on that little tour bus and you can hand that to people and tell them about that i want to invite to the stage um, mary sovis we have a treat do you want to show that go ahead and show that
1: In the mornings when, I wake when this up is done, listen to the news.
0: It seems like we go from bad to worse. As I
1: get older, I just sense the, the urgency. And I think of my grandchildren. I think of the world that they'll be living in. The world has changed so much. And we have turned our back on God. I know that the only hope for our country, the only hope for this world is God and his son, Jesus Christ. You see, there's power in the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. We're living in perilous times. We don't have long on this earth, and we need to get to as many souls as we can as quick as we can.
0: This is a day of trouble, and God's people are seeing that. So for the church to gather together and to begin to pray, God will answer. He will answer.
1: If you're willing to repent and believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, just stand.
0: God has truly changed my life. I may not get another chance like this. I got to give my life fully to Christ, which I've never done before.
1: I accepted Jesus in my heart.
0: This time is different. I feel alive, I feel clean, I feel forgiven. It's like being set free. Whatever city you might be in, this is a great opportunity to
1: reach the souls of men. Come out and let's join one another. Let's come together to pray and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are
0: getting saved. You just got to be involved.
1: Come stand with me. Let's pray for your state. Let's pray for our country. Bring an unsaved person with you. And let's just see... But God does.
0: Yeah, let's be an inviting church and get people to come to this. Uh, So now we're going to invite Mary to come up and talk about Treehouse. So next session of Treehouse and Family Nights is right around the corner. Tell us what we need to know, Mary.
2: Well, good morning. I thought it was bad enough to go after Don, but to go after Franklin Graham. I'm just lost for words now. (laughs) Anyways, Treehouse is a kids outreach program that we have on Wednesday evenings. And it's a really good program, but I need people. We are doing Jerusalem Marketplace this year, so I am literally setting up a marketplace. So I need actors to sell goods at three different stalls for the evening. Um, I was hoping Rusty was still up on stage. Where is he sitting? Rusty has the best in the whole thing. He's our wise guy. So... (laughs) He's going to be going around and interrupting, telling tidbits about Christ. And then I have a Roman soldier who is going around collecting taxes and trying to stop Rusty to spread the gospel. We're going to have a live well. It's going to be moving. Um, So I need actors for skits. I need small, not small group leaders, huddle leaders. I need, and you're going to be dressed, but I need you. I can't do it on my own, and I'm really trying just to be the director because the last treehouse almost did me in. I was uh, doing three or four activities a night. So the bottom line is I just need people. I need you to be a huddle leader. I need you to be um, a first-century Jerusalem person. Um, I need help with crafts. I need help with science. So if you could find it in your heart to come and help on Wednesday evenings starting in October going to the second week in November, I would be greatly indebted to you. And as my husband can attest, we're really, I'm really putting a lot into this, and he has become a treehouse widower. So, <laughs> anyways, that's it. It's for the kids, and if we're not giving them the truth, they're going to find it in the world, and we know that the world does not tell the truth. That's true. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mary. You can sign up at the Oak. The Oak is one of our kiosks. It's on the far wall in the lobby. We encourage you to do that. Uh, At the same time, we do have some adult breakout groups each evening. I know that um, there's two. um, One's on trauma, and I'm not doing a good job. I'll read up on that in between services. One's on trauma, and then uh, I'm doing the Experiencing God. Uh, Blackaby uh, put out a series years ago. It's one of my favorite series I ever taught, uh, but... He just had it redone in 2021. It's a 12-session thing about experiencing God. And uh, we're going to do the six weeks in the spring. And I'm going to do the second six weeks in the fall. And we'll probably continue to do that. And so if you want to work in Treehouse, we encourage you to do that first. If God's put that on your heart, uh, don't, don't think, well, I'm going to miss the experiencing God. No, we'll offer that again. Maybe you can come to the second session and pick up the first one next fall or whatever. Uh, so if God puts it on your heart to serve in the children's, we encourage you to do that first first Uh, but if you're uh, not into that and that's not what you're looking for and you need something we encourage you to come on wednesday nights free dinner and then uh the kids go down and the adults spread out and do our our workshops there so we encourage you to be involved uh let's see uh that and this owen where's owen there he is the wall all in all it's just another brick in the wall. So we explained this last week. This is the wall. This is what's uh, between us and financial freedom. This is our last loan that we need to pay off. And uh, we're doing a great job at that. And so last week, uh, $2,085 came in. Congratulations, you guys did good. So Owen, I'm going to have you take, uh, take this one. Look at that. Just look at, you, know. you notice I brought a strong kid up because my back is, I'm decrepit pastor decrepitus uh take this one here yeah and then we'll take this one here yeah we're, we're taking down the wall right five right there another 500 and then another 500 right here good man those whoa, what was that just the light don't worry about that now it's not lit up right there you go man man he's strong tracy you know it'd look really good as a tattoo on that bite. i'm just kidding just just kidding mom. You want to see mine? You can get one just like mine. All right. <laughs> Good job, Owen. Now I'll put this light back and see if I can't do that. Um, there we go. So last week, full disclosure, I went to a Christian school, and math is not my forte. And so I put this up here last week, and I told you that our goal is 35,000, right? And I had 30 blocks, and I had stencils, and I spray painted all these numbers on there. I stood in front of a whiteboard for 45 minutes trying to figure out how to make $35,000 out of 30 blocks. It's harder than you think. And I thought, no one will know. Because the closest I could get was $34,000. Did anybody notice there was only $34,000 in the wall? There were some people. There were some people. I had two teenagers after the service standing in the middle with a calculator, and they're looking at the wall. And when I, when I walked by, they went, uh, excuse me, and I'm like, don't tell me. You, you actually counted. They're like, yes, we counted. There's only 34,000. They were correct. So we're doing a great job, but I hate to tell you this. In order to be accurate, I need to put the 500s back up. We're back to... That's okay. My back can handle this a little bit, just a little bit. Um, okay, there we are. Now we're accurate, okay? Is that okay that, okay that we're, we're accurate? I don't want you to feel bad that we took off 2,000 and I put 1,000 back, but we're just accurate. I can just tell it's like a balloon and the whole room just deflated. I'm so sorry. You can fix this. If you want to donate, you can do this QR code that's on the screen, take your phone out and just point it at that. It'll take you right to uh, the giving section of our online and you can click the the tab there. And, And if you click the tab, I think it comes up as general fund. If you click that tab, you'll see a bunch of different things. One of them is special project the wall if you see the wall you know what we're talking about paying down our debt so that we have freedom to do things that we as a church want to do to move forward so i love the idea of taking down this wall brick at a time so make sure you do that and uh, we'll, we'll make sure this wall gets gone our goal is by january 1 wouldn't it be nice if you could get rid of this before then so that we could decorate for christmas got a lot of ulterior motivation for you guys. Because isn't it going to look awful having a Christmas tree with this brick neon wall? Anyways, we're trying our hardest. Let's get into our message this morning. We're so glad that you've joined us. If you're online with us, hope you're actually seeing what we're doing here today. And we are in the book of Nahum. We're in Nahum chapter 1. You can meet me there in just a minute in verse 9. Nahum 1 and verse 9. Let's pray this morning. Would you pray with me? if you just pray this prayer, God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, I pray that you'd be glorified. I pray that everyone hearing this message today would be edified and that Satan would be horrified. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I would like to read this passage differently. I usually like to read the whole context for you and then we go back and break it down. But this is one of those passages where the author, again I told you last week, Nahum was kind of a poet prophet. So he wrote in poetry... I don't know, if you're in school, it's like A, B, A, B, A, B, C, D. You know what I mean? You know how poetry goes. But the problem with that is he gives a thought and then he comes back to the thought. And I like to have linear thought. I just like clear linear thought. I'm not going to read this passage in the number order. You're just going to have to follow me as I bring it across in a, in a way that you can understand it. I think today it will help us all. The big idea is going to be no evil plots can prevail against the Lord. L, capital L, small O, small R, small D. Are you with me on this? Because you need to be, because today especially, whenever in scripture we see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it means Yahweh. Everybody say Yahweh. Yahweh. We already heard about Jireh, Jehovah Jireh this morning. We might as well go all in on Hebrew names of God and spit all over the church. Jehovah Jireh and Yahweh right and anytime you see a scripture and usually in your if you got an NIV King James ESV you'll see it's a capital L and it's a smaller ORD but they're still capitalized anybody see what I'm talking about somebody say yes PD I see that whenever you see the capital letter that's Lord that's the official name of God right uh God Now, when you see Lord, capital L-O-R-D, usually that's referring to Jesus as one of his deity names, the Lord. We know the Lord. When we speak of the Lord, we're speaking of Jesus Christ. But when they were speaking of the Lord, capital L, capital O-R, that's Yahweh, God. So, in my thing today, I could have put capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in the title, or I could have left it there because both are true, amen? No evil plot can prevail against Jesus as... Tracy told us this morning, Jireh means salvation's coming, or God will provide. He has provided, but I love the Gyra idea that he will provide. So nothing can prevail against Jesus. We know that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church, right? And so you can say it that way. You can say no evil plots can prevail against Yahweh, God himself. And so we're going to walk through this passage And we're going to walk through it in three sections. The three sections are the great dishonor. Everybody say dishonor. The great destruction. Everybody say destruction. And the great deliverance. Everybody say deliverance. Dishonor, destruction, deliverance. All right? And so that's the three D's today. And in order to get these kind of in context, I'm going to take verses and put them together. And you'll see what I'm talking about. We're going to read verses 9 and 11. Nine and, 11. Nine, and nine and eleven. Whatever they plot against the Lord, Yahweh, he will bring to an end. Trouble will not come a second time. From you, Nineveh, has one come forth who plots evil against the Lord, that's Yahweh, and divides its wicked plans. The Great Dishonor. As we walk through this passage today, uh, we, we do need to remember that we learned last week that God is a God of wrath, and God is a God that will judge sin. It's not my job. Remember, I had you raise your hand and tell you and proclaim it's not my job to set everything straight on this earth or to set everybody who's wrong straight on this earth. It's God. God will punish sin and bring things together. And so we wait for him to do that. Here is a passage where we hear why, why. Everybody say why. Why God is going to show His wrath. It's because there's a great dishonor to His name. What a foolish thing to think that you can outwit God. What, what a foolish thing to think that you can outplot God. God has plans, man has plots. God's plans will always prevail, and man's plots will always fail. God will bring evil plots and schemes to an end. We see it throughout Scripture. Right from the beginning of Scripture, we see that mankind started to produce more offspring, more offspring. And they gathered together. And what did they do? They got together and decided they wanted to be like God. And so they started to build a tower to heaven. Remember that? The Tower of Babel. And God's watching them. And again, I, I just, how foolish to think that we can outwit God. It's kind of like maybe the beginning of the uh, Jack and the Beanstalk story, right? This big, large thing. And they think they're going to build this thing all the way up to heaven and show up and say, hey, I'm here too. Scoot over, right? And God's watching this from heaven, and I can't imagine how foolish these little people looked. Have you ever been up to a very tall building? Anybody have been to the Sears Tower? Don't you call it the Willis Tower. You people know what I'm talking about. You're from uh, the land of, uh, what's what's the... uh, music theater over here pine knob right i you guys are all sensitive about that i moved over here and didn't know how sensitive you were went to a concert over there and people were like i still call it pine knob and then they changed the name and you people on this side of the state were like yeah god's coming back i mean we get picky about our names you get picky about your names well i grew up with the sears tower in chicago i don't care if they want to call it willis tower anyways my rant's over anybody been up in the sears tower have you ever looked down on the people have you ever looked down on the streets? I used to take groups of teens, 28, 30, 60 teens, and we'd go to Chicago, and we'd get good pizza at Gino's East, and then we'd go up the Sears Tower, and I always used to tell them to do the same thing. They had a railing, and if you'd step up and, and lean on the railing, and you've got to put your hands behind you and put your forehead on the glass, you can really see the best. I'd get like 10 or 12 stupid freshmen, and, and they, would, they would lean. Uh, their whole body's leaning on this, this uh, little railing, and they put their foreheads on the thing, and I'd say, can you see them, can you? And then I'd walk up to the railing, and I'd hit the railing. Oh, you'd never seen people scream and cry. It was awesome. All these people freaking out. But, but it was really fun to look down, because you could see these little ants running around. Little ants everywhere. The people, they're just running around, all so busy, everybody's heading somewhere. Can you imagine God in heaven looking and the mankind was like, we're going to build a tower over to heaven. I don't know how tall this tower got. I mean, bless them if it was 10, 10 stories. I don't know. Maybe they were incredible and they made it 30 stories. I don't know. It just wasn't Sears tower. And God looks down and he's like, isn't that cute? He looks down and he's like, boy, they are so amazing, these people. They put their mind to stuff. And he's like, let's just throw a screwball at him, you know. Everybody speak a different language. God plans, man plots, and God will prevail, and man will fail. How foolish. We see that in this passage. We see that whatever they plot against the Lord, he'll bring to an end. The trouble will not come a second time. God will end evil plots and schemes. He'll bring them to an end, and when God ends it, it's over. I like how the author says it will not happen a second time. When God brings something to an end, he brings it to an end. Shall I remind you, Nineveh was no more. (laughs) At the end of the day, Nineveh was totally destroyed and it was covered over. And it wasn't until 1845 when a shovel hit the dirt over in Iraq did they find the ruins of Nineveh. Because when God ends it, it's over. The great dishonor. Let me read for you Psalm 2, 1 through 6. Psalms 2, they'll throw it on the screen for us. Why do the nations conspire? The word conspire there also means rage. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs, the Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I've installed my kingdom or my king on Zion, my holy mountain. So when you say, PD, you're just, you're being silly that God looked down and laughed. No, I'm telling you, he looks down and he laughs. I'm not just making that up. I'm telling you, the Lord, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. That's how you make God giggle. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We do not know what the future holds. And so God lasts, especially when people conspire or rage against him. So that's what the author's trying to say here in this first section. The second thing is the great destruction. Now we're going to go back to verse 10. I think you'll see by the time I'm done today why I've done this. But verse 10 and verse 14. Says they will be entangled among thorns and drunk from their wine, they will be consumed like dry stubble. The Lord Yahweh has given a command concerning you, Nineveh. You will have no descendants to bear your name. I will destroy the images and idols that are the temple of your gods. I will prepare your grave, for you are vile. It's a great destruction. When you first read this, you you, you understand that there's been a great dishonor to who God is, Yahweh himself. And so now the great destruction is talked about. And can I also remind you, Nineveh is mentioned, but Nineveh is just a representation of a lot of things here. Nineveh is going to be destroyed, but it is a reckoning for all things that go against God. God will tear down everything. God will destroy everything that goes against his name and stands up against him. And so, there's the great instructions talked about, it mentions thorns, wine, and stubble. Well, how bad's that? What's wrong with a little thorn? What's wrong with a little wine? What's wrong with a little stubble? But I love, again, he's a poet. Notice what he does with these things. It's not just thorns, It's not just a little wine, and it's not just stubble. It's entangled in thorns. Have you ever been out working and you got in a, a thorn? patch or a thorn bush I'm not a botanist I don't know what those who you want to call them have you ever gotten tangled anybody get tangled and it's all over your clothes I've done it too many times when I go out to mow and I come in my wife's like Who did you get in a fight with? I'm bleeding all over the place. I'm bleeding on my legs, up my arms. Uh, I was just working this week up on a ladder in a tree and something bit me right here. I got this big old bump on my arm. It was a spider or a bee. I don't know. But we're fighting against nature out there, people. And and I've been in the thorns. And when you get tangled, have you ever just realized you were in thorns and you stopped? And you go, how am I going to get out of this? And no matter what you devise, you know, it's going to hurt. Because it's not just a thorn, it's being entangled by the thorns. It's not just a drop of wine. The Bible says wine is good for the stomach, but it's talking about a drunkard. It's talking about a wino with his wine. It's not just a little wine, we're talking about intoxication where you are a laughingstock. And it's consumed when it talks about the dry stubble. I'm a city boy at heart. I try to go camping with my family, and I learned a long time ago, I don't know if you do this, maybe it's not, you know, you Michiganders, I grew up near Chicago, so you Michiganders, like, I don't know if you like, like, strike flint to light your campfires, I don't know how naturalistic you are, I'm not. I bought, a, you know those little camping propane tanks? And if you go to the hardware store, they've got this flamethrower that you can put on top. So when I light a fire, it's literally, bah! I got this flame coming out. Is that against the rules to Anybody? Oh, good, thank you, because I destroy stuff. I mean, my fire is a fire. And, and I've learned that it's not easy to light. Even if you take that big flamethrower to a huge log, it takes a long time to get that log lit. So I have learned the beauty of struggle. <laughs> Dry, kindling, right? Kindling and, and I, the small sticks. You know, And then, I don't know how many times when I was a, a novice fire builder, I'd have to take it all apart and start smaller again, right? You learn. What this author is saying is, you are like an entangled thorn. You are like a wino who's drunk and intoxicated in his wine. He's falling around, he's stumbling, he's bumbling, and you are like kindling that is so dry that all it takes is a spark, and you are consumed. Not just lit, consumed. That is how God describes his destruction over evil. And then God goes into verse 14. See how I put 10 and 14 together because it talks about the destruction. Then he talks about he's going to remove their legacy. He tells them, you will have no descendants to bear your name. Nineveh was wiped off the face of the earth. The Assyrians were wiped off the face of of the earth. When they were destroyed, they were utterly destroyed. So much so that before 1845, some people began to think it was a myth that Nineveh never did exist. When God lets destruction come, destruction comes. And then he also talks about he removed those idols. The reason why they were so evil and vile, he calls them vile, is the number one thing God says you shall have no other gods before me. And they were worshiping false idols. So the great destruction comes. Everybody says destruction. We've got the great dishonor. Everybody say dishonor. Then we've got the great destruction. Everybody say destruction. But I want to focus as we close on this last one. Deliverance. Everybody say deliverance. Verse 12 and 13. This is what the Lord says. Yahweh. Although they have allies and are numerous, they will be destroyed and pass away. Although I have afflicted you, Judah, I will afflict you no more. Now I will break their yoke from your neck and tear your shackles away. No power is greater than God's power. God's prom- God promises relief in this passage. When he talks about destruction, it's going to be complete destruction. But I love this because this whole thing points to Jesus. Like Tracy said in her song today, pointing toward Jesus, there's a promise of salvation here. I know the author's talking about Nineveh, but he's also talking about God's promise to his people of a restoration. It points to Jesus Christ. For you and me, maybe you don't consider yourself... You know, oppressed by the Assyrians this morning. Maybe some of you do. Maybe you do think our government is out to get you as a Christian. And I know we have a growing number of people that really do think that. And, and if you are in that camp you know, I'm just going to, again, remind you of the great freedoms we have in this country. As much as things aren't the way you want them to be in this country, it is still awesome that we can gather in the middle of Oxford and proclaim the name of Jesus and worship like we did a few weeks ago. It is awesome that we can go to Flint here in a few weeks and have Franklin Grant come and preach the name of Jesus out loud. There might be coming a day when the, 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 the powers that be want to stop that, but until that day... Please don't forget, you are not living under the Assyrians today. But I do think we're in bondage. You know, the whole political landscape and the whole thing about everybody's out to get me, I think it's a great distraction. Let me add another D to our words today. I think the great distraction for Christians is all these things that we think are our problem around us when actually the problem is right in you. If God saved you, you still have sin. Sin is a reality. And, and you know what Christian's real bondage is? A Christian's real bondage is to the, the power of sin. I don't know what your Nineveh is today, I don't know what your Assyria is today, but I do know that as I read this passage, I can't help but to think and put it into that context, because these people, the Bible says, I will break their yoke from your neck and tear your shackles away. You know what a yoke is, right? When we think of a yoke, this is what I think of, besides the egg part, I like that. My second thought is this thing that they used to put between the oxen right and we know the power of a yoke you could put two oxen together yoke them together and now their power is great the bible uses this analogy don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever right and that would be a a marriage thing like don't go into a marriage if the other person doesn't believe in jesus christ and isn't saved that's an unequally yoked you're going to be pulling along and they're going to be tugging the opposite way and it's going to be bad the same would go too for business be careful about being unequally yoked if you go into business with a partner and you want to honor God with your business and they're like no let's cheat and cut corners you're going to be constantly fighting and that yoke is going to be a burden right and that's my original and and then I I saw this and I thought I think this is what God's talking about the yoke you see I don't think the Assyrians considered themselves yoked to God's people no they they dominated God's people and put weights on God's people This is actually a yoke enabling somebody to carry more weight. And I believe the imagery, it fits either way. I'm not saying it has to be one or the other. But I do like this idea that you are yoked with a heavy burden that you're carrying, a heavy weight. Sometimes you bring it on yourself. And sometimes it comes to you and you didn't expect it. But either way, we carry a heavy weight. A burden. And God says to them, I will break their yoke from your neck. Whether you're side by side with them or whether they've put it on you and you can't get free from it, He says, I'll tear your shackles away. So, what's your yoke today? I mean, what's your burden? Maybe you're, you would honestly say it's the government. Okay. okay. I mean, but honestly, for most people, it's, it's something in your family. It's a relationship that's, that's, that's gone wrong. It's, it's an addiction situation. And if you're in an addiction situation, your pastor's not picking against you. I've gone through addiction myself. I understand the power of the spiral down and the stronghold in a life. But can I say that that yoke is heavy and that shackle is tight, but I know freedom because I've been set free, amen, I can come to before you and tell you as a pastor today that my bondage and my yoke and my burden has not been anything that this world forced on me, but the sin that consumed me. And I think as believers, we ought to take serious what are we allowing into our lives that can become the burden, the shackle, the yoke. What are those things? And if those things are in your life today and those things have become the burden that you you are trying to live under the weight of, God wants to come and let you know today he is a God that breaks yokes free. And he breaks shackles free. If you want to be out from underneath a burden that you're struggling with today, return to God. Ask him to set you free. And if you're worried about the government and about uh, how Christians are being treated in America today, then I, I would ask you to apply the same principle. Number one, it's not your job to fix it. Number two, God promises he puts people in power. He removes people from power. I don't believe that there's ever been a mistake. It might not be great for you and for me, but it's not a mistake. God's on the throne, amen? Do we believe God's on the throne? If he is on the throne, then maybe, just maybe... We need to go back to verse 14 or 10, no, 12. Let's go to verse 12 again. This is what Yahweh says. Although they have allies and are numerous, they will be destroyed and pass away. Although I, everybody say I, have afflicted you, Judah. I, everybody say I, will afflict you no more. I want to remind us all today, when it comes to external things like our governments, people in power, decisions that are out of your control, don't think for a second that anyone does anything out of God's control. They're little ants. They're little ants and they're plotting. And you're like, but I don't like it. (laughs) Have you had to buy gas in the last Oh, I understand. I'm living in it too. I I understand. I don't like it. I don't like a lot of things that are happening. But I want to remind you, God had a people. And when those people were in bondage to a terrible, God-forsaken nation who worshipped idols and who were awful, God came to them and said, I afflicted you with them. I put you in the yoke (laughs) i hope you heading into our next year or two as a christian cannot forget god in any equation please don't and if we are suffering we are you know in a sense don't think for a second it's not by god's design and don't think for a second you can't bear up under that weight and don't think for a second that God has the best in mind for you. Because I love every how, how many people's life verse Jeremiah 29 11? Anybody's life verse? Yeah. Anybody's life verse Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you says the Lord. Plans not to harm you but to prosper you. To give you a hope and a future. That's a great life verse. If you want to have that as a life verse get the tattoo. Oh, I would think about that one. Uh, you know get the, I mean, Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you. Not to harm you, but to prosper you. Do you know who he wrote that verse to? Daniel, Hanani, Ezra, and Mishael, as they were in captivity in Babylon. And God said, I put you in Babylon. I allowed you to be taken. God's plans for you, your prospering has nothing to do with having cheap gas prices. God's plans for you, not to harm you, Has nothing to do with free college or not free college. God's plans for you to harm you or to prosper you has very little to do with what's happening on our southern border. He knows all these things, He allows all these things. And if you suffer, you're suffering because God has a plan for you. And can I just tell you today, and you need to hear this, you're gonna need to hear this over and over again God prepares people through the fire diamonds don't come without intense pressure and can i just say america's been pretty fat for a long time american christianity is a result of that i don't know if you've seen the, the latest reports christianity is in major decline in america numbers are declining in churches all around our country today now, the latest generation is coming up and saying, why go why bother you know, God has a plan for us, and that plan is not prosperity like you think the word prosperity might mean. He wants to prosper you. He's got a good plan for you, and it's, it might just be some suffering. It might include that. Patience, endurance, endurance, hope, and hope, faith. Remember, I'll add to these things, you know. So this morning, I, I'll close with this. Let me give you a positive thought. Nikao. I've been using this word nikao for a while now. I love the word nikao. It comes out of this verse, Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The word overcome there is a Greek word, nikao. All of you know that Greek word. You're like, I hate it when pastor starts using Greek words. You're all using it right now. Look at your feet or look at your, look at your clothes that you're wearing. Anybody have a Nike on? Anybody wear Nike shoes or a Nike shirt? Nike is the Greek word nikao. And I don't know why Nike doesn't promote this, but their word means victory. Nike means victory. Have you ever heard of, nobody in the commercial has ever said that. They ought to just put that. Nike means you win. Wear shoes, win. (laughs) Instead, they say, I want to be like Mike. Whatever. Nikao. Nikao means victory. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How do you win? How do you overcome in this world? It's through the goodness of God. And it's the goodness of what Jesus Christ has done. When Franklin Graham gets up to a week from this Thursday and he proclaims the name of Jesus, it's Nicao. it's nicao over evil. nicao John 8, 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Romans 12, 12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. This morning, I don't know what is in your life that you've got yoked that is a burden for you, that's weighing you down, that's heavy, that's crushing you. I want to remind you that the God who talked to the people of Judah talks to you today too. And he says, I will bring destruction upon the enemies. I love that David in, in, Psalms constantly talk to God about that. David was awesome. He would write poetry and he would always say, slay the wicked, kill the evil among me. He was always asking God, kill my enemies. And God says, those that dishonor me will be judged. Everything will be brought to destruction in this world. The only thing that will last, we know from the New Testament, it tells us God and his people, his kingdom. How do you overcome you overcome with good and so what do you do you trust in god Is he good? Yes, he is. I want to go back to that passage. There's a passage in 2 second kings Can you put it on the screen for us? I skipped over it. I want to end with it today Because I love looking back at some of the other uh, Passages of scripture where he's talking to the people of the day. So hezekiah was in this time frame and uh There's a great passage in 2 Kings 19, 10 through 17, and then verse 35. Let me just read it in closing. Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely, and will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them? The gods of Gazan, Haran, Rezeth, and the people of Eden who were in Tel Azar. Where is the king of Hamath or the king of Arpad? Where are the kings of Alar? Sevad, I don't know how to say that one. Hena, Iva. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words of Zacharib has sent to ridicule the living God. Is it true, Lord? That the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them. For they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from this hand, from his hand, so that the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are Lord, you are God. Then God responds. Here's what God says. Here's what God does. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death... 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. There's a life verse for you there. <laughs> when the people got up in the morning, there were all the dead bodies. These are God's people crying out for freedom. These are God's people that are being oppressed. And these are people that are plotting evil and scheming against the Lord. That's Sherekin, whatever his name was. you know, He was mocking God. He's saying, look at all these kingdoms that I've destroyed. None of them stood up to us. Hezekiah goes into the throne room of God and he says, God, are you God or are you not? God, if you're God, are we going to be destroyed? And all he did is had to go to bed. And the next morning, 185,000 soldiers lay dead just by God saying, I don't know what you're facing today. And I know that a, a book about God's wrath can be like, oh man, that's depressing. For you as a believer, it shouldn't be. Because whatever you go to bed with tonight, my God has the power to. <laughs> you should know that whatever demon you have, whatever destruction you have, whatever weight you have in your body, whatever, whatever you're going through that you're shackled to, that you feel like you can't be set free. I know a God who can take care of that. He's set me free. He's allowed me to have life that I never thought I would have after addiction problems. And I know he can do it for you too. So take comfort. The word Nahum means comfort. Take comfort that God is a God of wrath. And he will take care of, destroy wickedness and evil. But if you're following him, he loves you. And even though you might be afflicted for a time, he promises to set you free. Maybe this morning you need to lay it down at his feet and be set free from whatever it is that's holding you down today. Let me pray for you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you as the the praise team comes to sing us out this morning with a song about your Savior. Christ is enough for me. God, we're going to sing that song because we know that your deliverance comes through Jesus Christ. God, those of us who've asked Jesus to forgive us and come into our life as Savior and Lord, we know that that deliverance is, number one, it's free. It's a gift from you. Number two, it can set us free. God, the bondage that we live in sometimes, sometimes it's because of sin. Sometimes it's a weight that somebody has put on us. It's a broken heart. It's a broken relationship. But God, I just pray that we as your people today would understand your deliverance. The beauty of when you declare something over, it's over. God, I'm thankful in my life you declared addiction over. You finished it and removed it. God, I pray that for people that are here today that experience the same thing. God, I do declare this morning that your gift, Christ, is enough for me. We'll sing it in Jesus' name, amen.